0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. The Future of Pharmacy Podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. Now, here's our host, Ken Perez.
1: Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm Ken Perez, Omnicell Vice President of Healthcare Policy, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. We're very excited that you found us, and we ask that you could subscribe to our monthly podcast. COVID 19 vaccines are now available and actively being distributed to frontline workers and high risk populations it's clear that retail pharmacies will play a critical role in the vaccination of the general population in the coming months. To that end, they must prepare for significant increases in patient volume and pharmacy workload that will come with the administration of COVID-19 vaccines. Today's guests are joining me to discuss how pharmacies can prepare for this challenge. First, we have Dwayne Jones, Clinical Program Director and Pharmacy District Manager for Harps Food Stores. Dwayne, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to this and
0: it, it's an honor to be here.
1: Thanks. I'd also like to welcome Mike Cantrell, Senior Director of Regional Operations at Enliven Health. Mike, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Ken. Likewise, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Now, Duane, you are a veteran pharmacy professional with an impressive commitment to the pharmacist community. Please share with our audience your background and current role at HARPS. Sure, Ken. I've I've been here for 11 years, going on 12
0: years now. We developed our clinical program here at HARPS. We actually have a training program that we teach across the United States to teach pharmacists how to workflow clinical responsibilities into their normal daily operations. Uh, We have been successful in doing that. We have uh, decorated uh, pharmacists on our team, our clinical team, that have made a a contribution not only to our pharmacies, but to other pharmacies in the state and across the United States. States. So that has been a, a great privilege and honor for me to see how we can help others help themselves and how we can help in this practice transformation that, that ultimately is taking place now and will continue be, uh, beyond COVID 19 vaccine.
1: Terrific. And Mike, you bring a unique perspective with your pharmacy and law background. Can you talk about how that helps you and your customers in your role at Enliven Health?
2: Well, thanks, Ken. Well, there are real, really three major areas where my legal training has helped regarding the development of our solutions, and those three areas are, first of all, regulatory, both state and federal. I think it's important to be aware of the fact that pharmacy is one of the most heavily regulated industries in the country. And secondly, professional liability. As pharmacists' scope of practice has expanded, and continues to expand for that matter, being aware of the implications of that expansion on the standard of practice, the standard of care, and malpractice insurance policy coverage is important. And then third, managed care contracting. And here I feel my familiarity with both disciplines enables me to craft contracts that accurately represent the intent of the parties and include language that contemplates the practical components associated with pharmacy practice. Now, as it relates to to the activity around COVID, I've seen some very interesting developments lately. For example, in September of 2020, the Department of Health and Human Services authorized state-licensed pharmacists to order and administer COVID vaccinations to patients three years and older. And to me, that's notable because it's the first time I've seen the federal government intervene in pharmacists' scope of practice, which has historically been a domain reserved to the states. And Another interesting example is what has taken place in California. The California Board of Pharmacy took, I think, the brilliant step of giving pharmacists the authority to order COVID tests, interpret those test results, prescribe a COVID vaccine, and administer the vaccine. I think the California Board is to be commended for the wisdom and recognizing the value pharmacists can bring to healthcare delivery, especially in today's pandemic situation. Now, sometimes. It takes a huge event to drive change within state pharmacy practice acts and pharmacist scope of practice. And just as the 2009 H1N1 pandemic propelled pharmacists to a more prominent position in healthcare delivery, this COVID pandemic will have a similar effect, I believe. And in addition, the reporting requirements imposed on the immunizers required those healthcare professionals administering COVID vaccinations, including pharmacists, to submit data elements that haven't historically been collected, and to submit that data to timeframes that are shorter than what has historically been required. By imposing these changes, the regulators actually created new burdens on industry, which contributed to the the, uh, delay in the COVID vaccination program launch.
1: Well, thanks for painting that landscape for us. That's tremendous. Now, Dwayne, let's talk about some of the COVID vaccine challenges you face today as a retail pharmacy leader, beginning with the uncertainty around vaccine distribution channels. What are some of the logistical challenges you're facing?
0: Uh, I think, you know, Mike, first of all, I'll, I'll say you were you were dead on, that we are um, positioned to be able to make a huge impact across the United States, because this is actually what we do every day, and we just haven't been recognized for it. I mean, there's so many times we pick up the phone, we call a doctor, we save somebody's life, we, we intervene on behalf of the patient, we're guardians in community, communities for the patient, and we We'll take that action, and then we hang up the phone. We never document it. We never collect that data, and we haven't submitted it. But we've been doing this for years and years and years, and so I think it's only natural that they uh, that they give us the opportunity and give us the the latitude to be able to prescribe and take care of the patients on a daily basis, just eliminating one of the limiting factors uh, in getting the vaccine out to patients as, as efficiently as we possibly can. So one of the challenges that that we have is lack of availability of vaccine, and then how do we how do we ensure that we schedule these patients properly so that we can make sure they have a second dose? That's one of the biggest challenges that we find is that most people discount the second dose. They don't They don't see uh, the, the, the the reality of, hey, we yeah, we can go out and we can inoculate 100, 125 people this afternoon, but you've got to remember, you got to come back and do that again 30 days later. And so those are things that we're really sensitive to. We've been very sensitive to since day one. Uh, when we looked at the opportunity to provide this vaccine, we knew that there was essential that we have some type of a scheduling program in place. If not, we're just going to have chaos, and we can't have chaos in a pandemic. We have got to be the source of reason. We've got to be the source of logic. We have to be able to put people into a scheduled time frame so that everyone that comes in gets the same quality of care every time. And so that's what we've looked at. That's the biggest challenge that we have, even today. Uh, shipments of vaccine are not guaranteed. I mean, we had three pharmacies last week, for example, that did not get vaccine. Well, I prepared ahead and was was positioning ourselves for that. Well, we we've been able to utilize and and, and thankfully so. the the care schedule program that you have that we've been working with to be able to have a format to be to put patients into so that they know when their second dose is going to come. They get a notification of that. And that was huge for us because we are struggling trying to put something in place. And I know we talked to other pharmacies in the state. We train other pharmacies in the state and they've had the same challenge. And they were working on a paper schedule. They had a list of sometimes of 7,200 people. That's a lot. But how do you manage that list? Well, you can't. I mean, it's just impossible. Out of the goodness of your heart, you're trying to calm their fears by taking their name down and putting it on a list, but it just doesn't work. If we can put them into a scheduling program where we know when they're they're coming in, they know— that they get a notice of when their appointments do, it's much more manageable. I mean, this this is a challenge going forward. It's not it's not going to end in three months, four months. This is going to be a long long term project, and so we would need to have systems in place to help to support us. Here again, we don't want to disrupt our daily operations. We don't want this to tsunami our responsibilities that we have in all of our communities for our patients every single day. This is the, the utmost importance to us. Is if if we're not diligent, if we're not pragmatic about this, if we if we don't take the time to focus on the level of care that we give to the patient while we're also bringing them in to give them a level of care with their vaccine, then we've sabotaged some of our efforts, and we certainly don't want to do that. So it's it is it's a challenge to orchestrate all of it, and um, we, we do believe that scheduling patients in is the proper thing to do. We have gotten flack from some people that say, well, I am... Such and such category, I should be next. Well, the you know, fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people out there that fall into that category. And as sympathetic as we are, it's just that the vaccine is not available now. So we have to bring people in into a timely method of taking care of them on a daily basis. And that's that's what we've done. I mean, we've utilized programs like MedSync before. We've used your Time My Meds program that has revolutionized our pharmacy. That laid the groundwork for us to be able to then schedule because once we start using those programs and we start delegating non-clinical tasks to our, to our technicians, and then we start to buy ourselves some time to spend quality time with those patients, that's how we impact patients. That's how we, we prevent them from from having hospital visits, emergency room visits, because we have time to invest in them. And so we see that we just take that same philosophy into the COVID vaccine program, and it's, it's working great for us. I can tell you that in a very short period of time, I just got these numbers uh, night before last, in, in a matter of about a week, we scheduled almost 4,000 people in for appointments to get the COVID vaccine. The peace of mind that they have that they know that they're into a scheduled program, they have a confirmation number, Is it's inexpressible. Because there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of trepidation, there's a lot of fear, because people are don't know when this vaccine is going to be available. If we can give them calm assurance in a time of uncertainty, it is huge for our patients, it's huge for our communities, and it's huge for the professional pharmacy.
2: And I think too, Duane, what I'm hearing on a national level too is very consistent with your comments. You know, we. We know vaccine supply to the states has certainly been an important topic, and the problem seems to be exacerbated by the ultra-cold chain requirements associated with Pfizer product. I know to date around 50 million doses have been distributed to the states, and about 64 percent of those doses have been administered. Now, obviously, some of those doses are earmarked as second doses, but the position shared by many is that we need to accelerate the vaccination rate in order to achieve herd immunity as soon as possible. Uh, I was just reading an article published by McKinsey and Company the other day, and, and their comment was, in order to achieve herd immunity, we'll need to administer between 2.4 and 2.7 more doses of COVID vaccine as we do flu. Now, to accomplish that, we need to get vaccine in the hands of more qualified immunizers, which is where retail pharmacy will play a significant role. But but up to this point, uh, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, Dwayne, but it, it appears to me retail pharmacies have barely begun to come online in this campaign. And uh, I think part of that is just as you as you mentioned, you know, the supply issue. As, uh, regarding production, Moderna and Pfizer, the only two products in the U.S. with an EUA right now, have contractual commitments with the federal government to provide 400 million doses by July. and. President Biden just announced last week that the federal government expects to have 600 million doses by fall. Now, with those production numbers in mind, consider the CDC's comment just on January 12th, and that was urging the states to expand the vaccine to all residents 65 and older plus those 16 and older with underlying medical condition. Now, just that group represents about 142 million people, and but it gets us well down the road toward herd immunity. So I I think it's important to recognize the CDC's recommendations, but that they are just that, they are not mandates. The ultimate patient prioritization, just as Dwayne mentioned, resides in the states. And in fact, it appears that the states with the highest immunization rates have actually deviated from
0: the CDC's recommendations. So part of of this is complicated also by, uh, you say, you know, pharmacies, there needs to be more pharmacies that have access. There's two things, some pharmacies, independent pharmacies did not enroll in the COVID-19 vaccination program. Uh, The other other element is that we have the big boxes, the larger chains that are only in the federal program, which is in phase two. So we have a, a large number of people in phase one that we are trying to to immunize and so we need first of all more vaccine once that happens then we can provide more outlets for example we have 34 pharmacies in the state of arkansas well, only 15 of those those pharmacies actually have access to the vaccine and that's state-selected, state-mandated, state, selected, state, state mandated, that they select those pharmacies in areas. And we are in some rural areas where we're the only pharmacy that they have access to. And so some of that is complicated by by those two elements as well. So ultimately, we get more vaccine produced, then we can have more outlets.
2: It makes perfect sense. So let me get back to one of the other points, too, that you mentioned that I'd kind of like just to follow up on, too, Duane. And Now the Wall Street Journal reported that the most successful states, that is with respect to vaccination rates, used technology to assist with appointment scheduling and with locating vaccination sites. So let me pose this challenge question. Pharmacies were pretty busy places even before COVID. How can they continue to provide their traditional services such as dispensing medications while becoming an active and meaningful participant and the pandemic battle.
0: So I can, I'll be happy to, to, to answer that because that's one of the challenges that we had back uh, five years ago when we started looking at, first of all, uh, making sure we had all of our pharmacists certified to give immunizations. Secondly, with the medication therapy management coming on board and a lot of uh, comprehensive medication reviews coming into play. Uh, ultimately, I said, we, we are going to workflow all of this as if it's a prescription. And so we, as I said earlier, delegated non-clinical tasks to our technicians. And then we we look at that immunization as a counseling session. We look at that uh, comprehensive medication review as a counseling session with our patients. We workflow it. It becomes another prescription. But in today's arena, it's Ultimately, important that you have a scheduler in place. We've been taking care of most of that by paper, by hand, manually. Uh, and like I said, once we got MedSync in place and started using the MedSync program, it revolutionized what we were doing because it gave us so much more time to focus on clinical aspects. Uh, the other, the other thing is, is, is getting out of the mindset of having to having to dispense these medications in such a short period of time uh, and, and getting yourself freed up from that dispensing piece to be able to spend time in the counseling piece, now I'm not saying we ever want to get away from dispensing because that's where we get our touches with our patients. We we literally pharmacists have see the patients on an average of 33 times a year as opposed to their physician, an average of three. So we have so many touch opportunities. So we never want to get away from that. We just want to get away from the tasks that we never went to school to learn, like data entry. Uh, why should be on the, on the phone with the insurance company negotiating? Uh, you know whether they they can get this this brand or this generic. Those should be. Non-clinical tests that we delegate out, and then we can spend more time with immunizations, and we can ramp those up. Uh, we've we figured out ways uh, that we can give. You know, we have husband and wife come in. We give them both their their immunization. Let them sit there and wait. There's so many ways that we can use scheduling to be able to create that. So what we're looking at, as we look at, at, at the care schedule that we're, that we're working with now, is that we ultimately want that to be our scheduler for all of our clinical programs. We want to be able to schedule our, our MTM, our, M- our CMRs, all of our immunizations into that program, because then it allows us to workflow it through what we're doing. If we're in, in traditional pharmacy dispensing and someone comes in in a critical situation, everything stops and we take care of them. Well, if we have it scheduled in, every one of those, we know when you're coming in, and then we can take care of you. We allot that time. We allot the time using MedSync to be able to, to, to take time to spend with them. I, I give an example of one of our clinical pharmacists. When, when she started work for us, I'd worked with her before she went to pharmacy school. I, I, as soon as she graduated, put her into a pharmacy that had lost money the previous year, actually two years in a row. And she... Worked with me, and we worked through uh, this process of, of of allowing ourselves more time to fill prescriptions, so we have time to work with our patients. In 14 months, using these tools, uh, she helped with the protocols, with with Time on Meds, with MedSync. Using these tools, she turned that pharmacy around from losing money to making money in 14 months. Now, that's that's huge, and and I tell that story as a reflection or as an example to pharmacists that say, well, I can't afford not to do this because I'm I'm going to lose business. You're not going to lose business. If anything else, people are going to see the value that you bring to them. Their prescribers are going to see the value. You're going to become a resource, not just to that patient, but to the community. And then they're going to make referrals back to you to say, listen, this is where you need to go. Because we pick up the phone and say, you know what? This medication is not appropriate. I did that this morning working in a pharmacy. I picked up the phone and said, you know what? I don't think you know, but this patient is on two central nervous system de- depressants, and this is not going to bode well for this 71-year-old individual. And they said, yes, cancel." cancel that muscle relaxant. And so those type of things allow us the opportunity to work with those patients to, to protect them, if nothing else, but also to present the value. And I do think that as, as COVID-19 vaccine starts to to be, fall into our lab and we're responsible for it, we will bring organization and structure and more value is gonna come become more evident. I think in our own state, there were people in the state, uh, with even with our Department of Health that said, well, can pharmacists really do those immunizations because they perceive us as just dispensing. And once they realize that these are things we've been doing all along, I think it's going to bring us to the forefront and catapult us into uh, being providers, legitimate providers um, throughout the entire United States, not just with CMS, but with also private insurance companies. And we're seeing that happen today in, in the
1: state of Arkansas. Those are tremendous learnings, Dwayne. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Now, Mike, I want to ask you, you work with pharmacists across the country. Dwayne has shared so eloquently about the situation in Arkansas. Um, what are you seeing nationally about pharmacists working, managing their practices in all types of retail settings? And how are they approaching those same challenges that Dwayne is facing?
2: It's a great question, Ken. The answer is it's a pretty wide spectrum when it comes to COVID tactical plans, you know, many pharmacy operators look at this pandemic, just as Dwayne was saying, as not only an opportunity to promote pharmacy to a more prominent position in healthcare delivery, but as an opportunity to capture new patients. Now, to be successful in doing that, the pharmacies will need the wherewithal to execute a COVID program that delivers good or great customer services. Furthermore, the pharmacies must have the ability to satisfy the regulatory requirements associated with administering a COVID vaccine, and all of this COVID activity needs to be woven into the pharmacy's existing operational rhythm so that it doesn't disrupt the non-COVID business. So what I'm seeing from many of the chains is an accelerated effort to develop a COVID program that uses technology to bring order to the frenzy. Doing just what the Wall Street Journal reported the most successful states have done, use technology to schedule appointments and help patients locate vaccination sites. And pharmacies actually can improve on what those most successful states have done by using their pharmacy data to add more sophistication to a COVID campaign. For example, people are clamoring for information about COVID vaccines is it safe? Where can I get a shot? When can I get a shot? Et cetera. And where all those, where are all those people going for answers? Well, of course they're going to the people who are constantly rated among the most trusted in the community, just like Dwayne was saying, the pharmacists. And that volume of inquiry is inundating pharmacies. So the approach I'm seeing in the market that seems to be working quite well has three components. First, broad general patient education campaigns using existing tools. Second, outreach to patients when it's their turn for a shot based on risk stratification. And third, using an appointment scheduling tool to keep the process organized.
1: You're listening to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm Ken Perez, your host, speaking with special guests Dwayne Jones and Mike Cantrell. Now Dwayne, what are some steps pharmacies can take to mitigate the challenges of vaccine distribution?
0: So first of all, you have to you have to workflow this. You have to decide what your business model is going to be right now with the Vaccine not being readily available, you're going to need to workflow this in with your with your normal schedule. I s- I've seen pharmacists that don't have scheduling programs, uh, and pharmacies that that have struggled with this, and and quite frankly, they they start to get burned out because they're trying to do as many as they possibly can, and and neglecting part of their other core business, and and that's not a good situation. So. Workflowing this in with your normal daily activities is critical, uh, and that's where that's where technology comes into play. That's where scheduling programs come into play, and that's going to be the key. That's what we see. That's what we've done, and our our patients are we we're able to workflow them in. We're able to ramp up because once we have a system that that everybody's comfortable with, you can ramp up systems. If you have something that supports you, and that's what we're looking at um, with, with this care schedule, I mean, just quite frankly. I mean, we've looked at other programs, but we need to look at something that's going to have... Applications beyond just one single factor. We could we could workflow point of care testing into this. Like I said earlier, other clinical activities. But first of all, you've got to become uh, pragmatic and diligent about how we're going to approach this, and, and let it support your operation, not let it
2: uh, tsunami your operations. Yeah, those those are great great comments. So just to add maybe a couple more to it and that is, you know, frankly, I think the public's interest in the vaccine is fantastic. But it's also leading to a cause for frustration. Now, to effectively manage that volume of patients without drastically disrupting your traditional operations requires technology. And I think Dwayne, you, you articulated it quite well on what that that solution can look like.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And as we move into phase two, as we move into to inoculating the masses and immunizing the masses, uh, it's going to be even more important to have those supportive systems in place that that they can they can use an app, they can use, go onto, online, they can make their appointments, and they can schedule it in, and then their second dose is also going to be scheduled for them uh, in cases where that's 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 necessary. I understand Johnson Johnson's coming out with their product really soon, within the next um, uh, two, three weeks, and that will be a single dose, but still, that needs to be scheduled in with your normal
1: workflow, and, and I think it's critical. Well, as Mike has mentioned, and Dwayne, you mentioned, we've got these two current vaccines, the one from Pfizer and Moderna that require two doses. And uh, so I want to ask, Mike, what issues does this create with regard to adherence?
2: Yeah, it's such an important point. Well, while the Pfizer folks recommend 21 days between doses and Moderna 28, last week the CDC published a memorandum that patients can actually extend the interval up to six weeks if it's not feasible to follow the shorter recommended window. Now, if the second dose of the vaccine is missed entirely, the effectiveness declines dramatically. Consequently, it's it's very important. What we recommend to pharmacies using our care scheduler tool is for the immunizers to schedule the second dose when the first dose is administered. Then, as the date for the second dose approaches, send an automated call or text to the patient to remind them of their appointment. Mike, you're right on. Um
0: one of the challenges that we had at the very beginning was, you know, if we, that first 30 to 60 days that that you're, you're dosing patients, you have to be very, very careful because if you're not, you're going to be giving all first doses one month and the next month you're going to give all second doses. So this care schedule allows us actually to, to stagger those. And now that we have that six week window, now we can have patients where we'll have maybe we have two days. Is one week that we do second doses. Three days we do first doses. We we change that the next week. So we have three days that we're doing first doses. Two days we're doing second doses. So we don't get ourselves in a situation where we have a whole month that we can't give people first doses. I think that that I don't think that's that's good patient care. I don't think that that's pragmatic. I think that that's short sighted, and I, and that's the thing that I love about this program is it brings logic into a situation that unfortunately hasn't had a lot of logic in it um, from the from the beginning. And so it allows us to manage and take care of second doses and first doses at the same time. So we can weave those people in and we're taking care of both segments of the the community's
1: population. That's terrific. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our expert guests, Dwayne Jones, Clinical Program Director and Pharmacy District Manager at Harps Food Stores, and Mike Cantrell, Senior Director, Regional Operations for Enliven Health. We appreciate you joining us today. For the Future of Pharmacy podcast and for OmniCell, I'm Ken Perez. Thanks for listening. This has been the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Until next time,
0: don't get stuck in the clouds. The Future of Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by OmniCell.